The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and today we're burning the phone lines to talk to Brad Armstrong. I recently caught him at the Sunstroke House back in May. He came with Taylor Hollinsworth, and it was the last show of the season. It was a great way to end it, and so, uh, Brad, how you doing, man? Hey, man, how's it going? It's good, brother. And so that run you put together with the Sunstroke House being the close, that was to celebrate the new album release, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Folks, Brad's new album is called I Got No Place Remembers Me. And just to get the ball rolling, Brad, how did you get into music and when did you start playing guitar? Well, I mean, I, I started messing around with it when I was about eight. And I had a, a my cousin was nine and he had a an Electra guitar, electric guitar, and like a crate crate amp or something this was probably about 1982 i guess and uh anyway neither one of us knew how to play it or anything and we would just turn it up you know and put lay your fingers over all the strings to make a chord you know so we'd play wild thing or whatever and just you know obviously it was atrocious but it was the the thing that got me into uh wanting to play rock and roll so and then we started a band together uh, pretty shortly after I got a guitar and, you know, took enough, le- I took six months worth of lessons or something enough to get some chords and stuff. And so you just right after getting these chords and things together, y'all just got right into the scene and started playing out. We put a band together when I was, uh, maybe like, like 12 or 13 or something. And then, uh, we did, I think we did our first gig. We did like a, uh, a little, little deli type gig or something and then we did like a little house show type thing and the first bar gig was at a, a place called the the rock connection in birmingham and it was a it was a big cocaine connect bar i think in the in the late 80s or something but you know and i was aware of that and stuff but i was also like a freshman in high school you know what i mean so i didn't really have any business being in there but the the guy that got us on was this guy named damon johnson who, who uh, uh at that time his band was called child and then it was called uh, Voodoo Smooth, I think. And then it became Brother Kane. And he had a big, uh, a pretty big MTV hit uh, at that time uh, with Topper Price playing harmonica and stuff. And this guy let us open for his band and had, I mean, it was pure charity. I mean, it had to be because we were just, I mean, you know, we were covering Beast of Burden and Dance the Night Away by Van Halen in just terrible three-piece fashion. You know, it was the worst. And I don't know why to this day he allowed us to do that, but... Uh, he let us play and it was the first, you know, it was a, a real, I mean, it was a real venue, you know, it was, you know, he had Marshall stacks and stuff and it was a, the real thing. And it kind of whetted my taste for the whole thing. I never really quit after that. <laughs> so that whole exposure right there, it was just right place, right time. Y'all were just really fortunate. It sure was, man. I guess. I mean, it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> I might be in a, I might be an investment banker <laughs> if you hadn't done that. And then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I hear Van Halen and Rolling Stones. Who are some of the other influences during this time in your life? 
I mean, I feel like it was when I was in high school and stuff. It was it was Led Zeppelin and Van Halen and okay. the Rolling Stones and yeah. you know the sort of standard repertoire of a given uh, teenage white boy or right. whatever. You know, uh, after I got into college, uh, I found um, uh, Uncle Tupelo was okay. big at that time, and that was sort of the first I'd heard of that you know kind of thing, the, the alternative mm-hmm. country or whatever they were calling it. You know. Uh, the no depression stuff that really hit me pretty hard, and uh, and the Pixies hit me real yeah. hard too. So I then kind of moved away from classic rock and sort of spent the next. And then Nirvana broke, and that was I was oh, a yeah. huge Nirvana fan, you know. So I spent like ten years against the guitar solo with, along with everybody else, you know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, <laughs> uh, was a real, uh, you, you know, that kind of. I wanted to be a production heavy uh, uh, guy starting at that point, I guess. Okay. I got you. And so were you in college at Birmingham at this time? No, I went to a college in New York called uh, Sarah Lawrence College. Okay. It's a, okay. a liberal arts school. Uh, All right. A little north of New York City. Okay. And it was, yeah. <laughs> it was a real weird place for me to have ended up. Yeah. <laughs> and so after college, did you make your way back down to Birmingham and that was how the Dexatines and 13 Ghosts came along? Well... Yeah, pretty much, man. We had uh, that cousin that I spoke about before that we had bands with and stuff uh, yeah. through high school. He uh, died when I was in college, or no, Ooh. when I was in graduate school, ninety late mid ninety something like that. Anyway, uh, I came home and um, the other guys in the band we all saw each other's funeral and stuff, and we decided we wanted to make a record about about him. So we did that, and it uh, it was you know pretty unpalatable for the masses you know or the, the quote-unquote masses yeah it was uh, not something that sh- should should have been released so yeah. we didn't obviously but we did it ended up becoming a band so we made uh that's when 13 ghosts started was that it was me and this guy buzz okay Russell. okay i got you was taylor ever in 13 ghosts i thought i heard him singing on one of the tracks yeah he 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 played uh he's played guitar on he played guitar on cicada okay. which was he did. Uh, Cicada was a record. Uh, our drummer quit in the middle of that recording Ooh. session, oh, gosh. and we kind of just had almost given up the whole thing. You know, it was in 2004, and uh, things we'd been doing it four, five, six years, something, and, yeah. and it wasn't going that great. You know, so we were. Just, uh, me and Buzz decided to make this record, and uh, w- once he quit. We decided to make the record like we just started calling all our friends yeah. and uh, asking them if they wanted to come over and play on a track. So the thing had four or five drummers. I think there were 27 or 28 guest musicians on that record. Uh, we basically just called everybody we knew and just made this, uh, made the record we wanted to make. And we didn't expect anybody to listen to it or for it to do anything. It's fun and, this then, time. Uh, and then that was the one that got a pitchfork review. Whoa. Weirdly. And then, uh, so then, yeah, so then that. That you know, I, I don't want to say successful or anything, you know, but it was mm-hmm. certainly more than we'd ever experienced. You right. know, we could all of a sudden we could book a show a little easier or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So Taylor was on that, and then he played uh, again on one or two other songs through the years. Yeah. Okay. But uh, I've always loved his playing, man. I think he's the greatest. Yeah. So when we were at the Sunstroke House, I think. Um, the second song that Taylor played was Westphalia. Oh, yeah, right, right. And that's just one of them songs where your jaw drops. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, yeah he's, he's, a, he's an amazing he's an amazing musician. He really is. Mm-hmm. He is that. So how did the Cornelius Chapel Records, how did that start? Well, so Elliot from the Dexatines yeah. started that label. 
Okay. And uh, he did it. I mean, it's been a while, you yeah. know. Uh, and I, we originally talked about putting Dexteen's records out on it mm-hmm. instead of because we the Dexteen's put out records with a bunch of different people over the years, and you know, it it, it was always frustrating. There was always complications. And I think Elliot may have gotten tired of. I don't want to speak for him in this, but I think he started that because he just got maybe wanted to do his own thing. So uh, he started that label, and and uh, I think my empire record was maybe the the second thing it put out or something it was pretty early in there but anyway so he did it for a while and it was going to be like that but then uh i, I guess west mcdonald i'm not quite sure how west mcdonald got uh involved in it i think he was doing some stuff for elliot or with elliot and then maybe they had a collaborative release they were doing or something but anyway then elliot i think he hasn't he's still involved i think but uh, it's primarily uh, being run by Wes McDonald now. It's kind of he's he's the main dude over there, and another guy named Scott Zapardo. And uh, so it's it started off as an in-house thing, and now it's growing into this totally different thing. And they're doing they're doing a lot of people, and it's not you know they're doing a lot of records actually. It's it's a lot of stuff coming out. I'm pretty impressed with how much they've done. But that's how that record label started anyway. Okay, so great. So is Elliot the same guy that brews beer in Tuscaloosa? Now, now you might be talking about you might be talking about. Uh, Bo Hicks. Okay, yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. Druid City Brewery. Are they connected? Well, we all know Bo and stuff, and Bo, like, I remember Bo's the one that put together, we did, the Dex teams did a, a, a show with the Alabama Shakes and Glory Fires some years ago at the, at the theater there in town for the tornado. Uh, somebody's house got blown down or something, and it was a benefit show, and, and I think Bo put that together. He's, he, Bo's always been a fixture in sort of Tuscaloosa, you know, the, the scene there. Uh, so he's, I mean, definitely we've all known him for years and we've done varying things with him and stuff, but yeah, Elliot, uh, McPherson is, uh, whom I'm talking about and he's the, he's the, 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 the main songwriter in the Dex teams now. Okay. I got you. And just looking at the lineup, uh, from the Dex teams kind of over the years, I see that it has kind of evolved like a swinging door, Matt Patton. Mm-hmm. Matt Patton. And Taylor, once again. Yeah, Taylor's in and out. He's He started with him, and now he's back in again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got you. So it's kind of been a revolving door. Yeah, it's ever-evolving. And at this point, it's it's kind of settled into a pretty neat place, I think, where, uh, you know, we, we, we did a real hard and heavy thing uh, in, uh, in the late 2000s where we were really touring just like crazy heavy and trying to do something serious. And then I guess we kind of hit a – terminal burnout or something for a second and then we stopped and then uh maybe four or five years later we decided we were ready to do it again or something and and started touring real heavy again uh and this time we didn't stop we just now it's evolved into this thing actually the guy uh, the other songwriter in the band john smith uh from the original days uh who's on most of the recordings split in songwriting with uh elliot uh he uh has started playing some shows too so now we have I mean, there's like six, seven, eight of us, maybe nine. I don't know that that of members, past, present, you know, uh, that are all cool with each other. Everything's good. There's no drama. There's yeah. no weirdness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, now, when there's something gets booked, we just see who uh, who wants available. to play it, who who can do it, who's around. <laughs> and so it's yeah. You know, as long as as long as either Elliot or John is in there. Yeah. Uh, to sing the tunes because since they wrote them, <laughs> right? Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the band is is fluid, man. It can be whomever as long as yeah. you know all of us know the scene. So yeah, that's kind of wild. That's uh, that's a good place to be. Yeah, and just whoever can do it. Pretty much, man. We never practice. I think the last time the Dex teams practiced must be fifteen years ago. 
Dang. Right. I don't know. I mean, we do not practice ever, including now. <laughs> <laughs> I got you, man. And so just over the years, I've seen uh, y'all have covered a lot of ground, especially in the U.S. and I guess a little bit in Canada. So y'all have really traveled a lot. Touring. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, we sure did. Saw you done a South by Southwest. Yeah, did that a bunch of times, man. I've yeah, I've done all these these little uh, CMJ and South by South, yeah. and North by Northwest, and you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, seems like there's <laughs> one from most every direction you want to go. I don't know. You know, I I, I don't really do them anymore. I, okay. I find that they are if whatever charm they had. Anyway, yeah, yeah we've run around a lot. Um, you know, uh, I wouldn't say we've done. I've done, you know, mega tours or anything, but I've right. definitely uh, gotten to stand on plenty of stages in life, you know, so that's that's good, you know, and there have been, you know, the really big shows to really small shows, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I'd say more of the, more of the latter, but uh, it's, you know, it's somehow became what I mostly have done. I got you. <laughs> and so to put more focus on uh, your solo work and what you're working on now, I got to get my hands on a copy of Empire, but mm-hmm. when did uh, when did you release Empire? Well, uh, it came out, it was kind of a funny thing because it came out in, like I said, it was the second release of Cornelius Chapel and it okay. came out, but it was, they were still getting their, their ducks in a row and yeah. yeah, it came out in 2016. It was a digital only release and then it was re-released reissued on vinyl 2018 so it was kind of a funny thing that the record never got any good momentum because it i got some good syncs on it and uh uh but there wasn't a product to drive the people uh, to the traffic you know from yeah. the from the tv and I stuff gotcha. you know so so there was it was kind of a misfire situation but i mean whatever it was it's cool and they got it worked out now so yeah and then um so same year right after that i got no place remembers me right that's right, yeah. And that dude, that has been a killer album. Man, thank you, thank you for saying like, that. S- start to finish, uh, whether I'm in the yeah. truck or just just at the house, just listening to it, man. I love starting it with Brother Ford and letting it go all the way to I Storm. Thanks, man. Yes, sir. And just sharing it. I think it's been over a, a week or two now. I a friend came over last night. and He's like, I have been stuck on He Come Round. I was like, Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a song. <laughs> <laughs> and that one right there was it's a little bit different from um i guess it would be closer to brother four those two are kind of off to itself compared mm-hmm. to the rest of the album yeah I, yeah that that uh i don't know man i get it you know i, I what to say about that i i don't really uh have a a, a, a like an overriding sound or i guess i probably do i'm not probably the one qualified to talk about what that is uh being on the wrong side of that uh judgment i guess but and and i've never really uh locked myself into doing you know one or two things i guess so my point is i can hmm i guess i guess uh uh my records are pretty messy they're all over the place uh which can be good and can also maybe uh hinder your ability to to have a more palatable sound to a wider audience if you've got a pretty wide swing of the kind of material you're doing on a record i guess you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah okay. that, it's always been kind of a weird thing i mean ever since 13 ghosts and stuff man it's always such a despair and the two songwriters in that band me and the other guy i mean he was like brian wilson or something of the beach boys oh wow and i was like Eric Bachman from 
Arches of Loaf or something. You yeah. Know? So it was just a total, just complete opposite mess, kind of putting it together. And so, you know, some people liked it a lot, but more often than not, some people liked this part of it and some people liked that part of it. And I have found uh, that to be true with most of the stuff I've done. Is that, you know, <laughs> okay. there's everybody will maybe like a couple of things on it, but, you know, the whole thing doesn't necessarily appeal to, you know what I mean? To you, you know? Yeah. Okay. I got you. I don't know if that's true. That's just my feeling. I see. Yeah, just starting here, I got no place remembers me, and I'm just kind of walking backwards, like went back to Empire, and then started listening to Dexatines, and then started listening to Thirteen Ghosts. It's mm-hmm. it's you got a lot of influences going, and a lot man, of man, I know sounds. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It's a. I don't know if it's good or not. You know, I don't know if it's a good I, thing I or not. I think it's good. I was like, I, you put Brad on. I, I don't know. Uh, like if, if it was just a big shuffle, I was like. I don't know where we're going to go, but it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the goal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> was most of this album written while you were up in New York, or is it kind of mixed over the years? No, that this new one, uh, it was all written. It was all written up here, except, uh, well, I say that. So there's two songs on there that are, I guess, covers of my own work, you know. So that there's a song called Fishing Pole on there that I sang with Maria Taylor on this. And that's a song that I wrote in like 1999 or something, 98, 99, uh, and recorded like a, it may have even just been a four track version of it. Uh, and then it never made it to a record. And then I don't know, it cropped up and I kind of thought it might be fun to look at it again. Rehash it. Uh, and so I did, did it that way. And then the same thing with that, uh, I think it's called Bottleflies or Garland of mm-hmm. Bottleflies yeah, yeah, yeah. record. The new one, maybe it's called Bottleflies. Uh, that was a song called "Wicked Drink," which was on the record "Garland of Bottleflies" by Thirteen Ghosts. Oh, okay. And that was like kind of a heavy, uh, sort of country punk, trashy treatment of it. And, <laughs> yeah. But it had originally been written this way, in this sort of finger picky way. And I always wanted to record it like that. And you know, on that record, I remember at that time I needed more. Me and Buzz had broken up the band when I was trying to make that record uh rather he left and I kept going with it and uh he always sort of covered the pop upbeat side of things happy side and I always covered the sort of down yeah. you know what the other side kind of dark. and with him not writing his half of the tunes on it uh it I found that down. you know it was a pretty pretty bummer record if I was just gonna do what <laughs> yeah. I normally did yeah so I was trying to make some songs that had a little bit more of a you know Foot happen quality to him, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure if it worked out, but that was <laughs> yeah. the goal. So yeah. anyway, so I redid this one uh, that that as well. Okay. On this one, but everything else okay. was, was new and written up here. I think, gotcha. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Where uh, where did Brother Ford? Where did that story come from? Well, I just made it up. I wrote the the first verse. It's sort of like a, you know, I guess like a narrator setting a scene. And I had that verse for a while, but I didn't know what the story was. Yeah. And then. Uh, I started thinking about the story, but I mean, I probably worked on that tune for eight months or something, I guess, just piece here and a piece there when it would occur to me what it should be about. I didn't really figure out what it should be about until maybe when the drums and stuff come in on the tune is when, as writing the tune, when I started to realize what it was about. So then I just sort of, you know, threw out all the rest of it in a big sort of mess steaming pile of mess and then uh kind of put it together and cut stuff out and and figured out what the story was and figured out how to put it together and then figured out how to make it work as a song yeah uh, but it was a real long process with that it wasn't anything based on anything else that I, you know other than your your general average uh traveling preacher uh song <laughs> yeah yeah man because i know um it 
it just kind of reminded me of just some of the traveling pre- preachers who come through this area, maybe set up a traveling tent, and just kind of, kind of some of maybe the animosity between local preachers, and I kind of caught that tone, and then just the tone of like the general people when they heard he was coming, I was like, this is cool, it's a cool song. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Uh, you know that 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 record, the the uh, the redheaded stranger, that Willie Nelson record. Yeah. yeah so the, the, I know that uh, uh, that was probably in my mind somewhere too. I've always loved that that uh, that record, that concept. I thought it was great. But you know, I'm a, a pretty uh, non-religious dude, and I got to thinking about the concept of you know uh, the the notion of these like the the sort of typical. Uh, viewpoint of a, a traveling preacher is that they're you know they're a, a con man and they're coming into town and yeah kind of a swindle taking advantage of people all that stuff right and uh what occurred to me the thing that broke in the, uh, the song open for me was thinking about the idea of what if in fact it wasn't a con and in fact it was true and in fact the so the narrator's being punished for for actually trying to know the mind of god and the the, the idea that that there's a an inherent goodness to to god is the notion i think that i'm questioning like i don't know like who said it was supposed to be so great who said he was supposed to be such a such a super sweet guy right <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean yeah like i mean he's a vengeful god you know yeah <laughs> and it's, so the idea that i guess that's kind of what i was looking at when i was uh, yeah. thinking about it you know the darker side of that yeah i got you and so as far as growing up you grew up in birmingham tuscaloosa alabama area I grew up in in Birmingham, uh, yeah, in Birmingham the whole time. I never really spent much time in Tuscaloosa until I started playing with the Dexteens. I got you. And so you left Birmingham for college. That's right. Oh. Yep. In uh, nineteen ninety two. Got gotcha. you. Right after, uh, right after Nevermind dropped, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> and Alice in Chains timing, was big right? in those days. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Uh... That album with the naked baby on it, it seemed to, it seemed to have, yeah, it man. gripped a lot of people. I was, a, I was a huge fan, man. And you know, they played with, they were on tour with the Breeders, and they played uh, the Roseland Ballroom uh, in New York City. Yeah. And I was going to go. And uh, we were, man, it was like, you know, it was kind of a hassle to get down there, and we were partying. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm just going to catch them on the next tour. Yeah, and we see how that worked out. So. Yeah, <laughs> I had a, I had an opportunity to see Nirvana and the Breeders, man, and I blew it. And it has always been a a, a, a great failing in my mind that I didn't make that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sucks. And about the day to day, when you're not touring and promoting an album, what does just like the day to day look like in the life of Brad? Well, I'm in. I'm, I'm a, a construction guy uh, to pay the bills, you know. So I'm I, my average day right now. I'm doing a bathroom. So I, you know, spent the spent last week cutting Hardy backer board and framing a bathroom out, and uh, tomorrow I'm gonna start setting the tile, you know. Uh, it's, uh, no, Monday I'm gonna set the tile. Tomorrow I got to go down here and put these skylights into this guy's house because uh, it's been raining constantly. So that's my average day, is uh, climbing up a ladder, doing something on a roof, or doing a bathroom, or doing a kitchen, or whatever. You know, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Pretty normal pretty normal life, you know, until I get get to go do some shows. Gotcha. And that's always the way it's been, man, with the deck scenes, too. Like, we would tour real heavy, but we would go, you know, we'd work, and then uh, we'd get off work, try and get off work a little early on a Thursday, maybe two o'clock or something and try to make some show somewhere Thursday night or something. And then Friday night 
might be in like, you know, Toronto, Canada. And then like Saturday, we might be, you know, New York City or something. And then uh, drive back to Birmingham straight through from the show to our houses and get home at like, you know, Sunday at two o'clock in the morning and then go back to work on a Monday. And that's, we, we did that for a long time. And that's, that's just kind of always the way we've toured. We, the, the whole idea of getting in the van and being out there for eight weeks in a row, uh, we all had families and stuff. And I've always had, financially, we couldn't make it work, you know. So we've always, I, I guess, the, the true essence of the weekend warrior, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning that every weekend, it's like, a, it gets to be pretty grueling, you know, yeah. frankly. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I mean, already, you know, yeah. like you said, just coming in Monday through Thursday and then just yeah working as late as you yeah. can on Thursday and then hitting the road yeah. that weekend yeah yeah it's uh it's something that gets a little tougher when you've got kids well I mean you obviously did it anyway but I guess as you get older now I'm, I'm 45 yeah and uh I man it's, that's too tiring for me now I, I try to block out time if I'm gonna do a little run of shows I'll block out a week or two or something and then go do it and then come home and be in work mode I can't do that weekend stuff anymore it's crazy yeah, I got you. Well, all right, man. So, just in the future, you got any uh, you got any tours lined up coming up? Man, I don't have any more tours booked right now. I'm I've got some. Uh, I'm putting together. I've got a few shows here and there, and, and uh, I'm looking at trying to do something out on the West Coast, maybe in the, the the late fall or something. A little little tiny run of shows or something, maybe if I can put it together. And that's it. You know, other than that, I've started writing songs for the next the next thing, and I'm just gonna keep doing it this way until I die. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Like I said, I've got to get my hands on Empire. What's the best way to uh, just go on your website and order it straight from there? I guess from if you want the vinyl, just get it from Cornelius Chapel. They 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 do all that stuff. Uh, otherwise, of course, it's available on the, uh, the the free Spotify thing. Of course, <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think about what Jamie and Tommy has done in Columbus with the Sunstroke House? That's a real special thing going on in Columbus, man. I've I've really loved coming through there, and I want to make that a regular, a regular stop for me from now on, man. That place is great. Yeah, blast. Y'all were all super cool, and it was great to meet you down there. Yeah, man. Sunstroke House is it's been a blessing. It has. Uh, I it I had just recently incredible. My first show there was January. Oh yeah. And because um, I was cool. I didn't know about house shows. I didn't know it was a thing, dude. I didn't have a clue. I started doing this podcast, and after an interview um, was over, the person I had interviewed, they was like, you talk a lot about music and how much you love it. Do you know Jamie Nettles? I don't know her. Look her up and reach out to her. I bet she would She would be down to be interviewed on uh, your podcast, and uh-huh. you should definitely go to one of her shows. Yeah. And I went to one, and it was it's been on since then. <laughs> yeah man she is i mean what she's got is real special i don't i wouldn't say that there's a ton of those around the country but i would say that like that that are that, are that special she's she's like really above and beyond as far as making it a real professional and real she really promotes the event like crazy and and really i mean she's just really dedicated to this idea that she's got and i would say that is not a common uh thing but the idea of the house show and the idea of the living room show i mean for guys in my bracket and i don't really know what the the kids are doing today you know what i mean i don't it seems like a, there's a lot of records being made on garage band and 
you know, and I'm not real sure what the, and it's all electronic. It's all, it's all like uh, Spotify and YouTube oriented and Instagram oriented or whatever. And that's not, I don't know about that stuff. I'm, I did not age well as far as I'm a dinosaur in the old, the old way of thinking about stuff. And I don't really get the new way of doing things, but I would yeah. say that the living room shows are how people in my bracket uh, continue to tour in a way that makes that, that it can work because uh, trying to, you know, get out on the road with a band and do club dates nowadays, it's just not financially viable to do it for very long and do it. And I know that a lot of the people like, like Will, I know they do a lot. Uh, he did a lot, does a lot of these kind of kind of runs and this is how you can, you can make it work, you know, yeah. financially and have a, a great uh, rapport with a, a room of people that are there to see the show and not, you know, 70% of them there to get drunk and you're kind of an afterthought, you know, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. It's yeah. been a great that- thing. I love to see it happening. Yeah, man, because, I mean, just about, Jamie, before you got there, I had already been listening to your music for two or three weeks, so I was already well aware of, you know, what you had done because mm-hmm. of her promoting. Exactly, and, exactly. And so when when you stepped up to play, or, you know, I hadn't seen you and sat down within the same room and heard you mm-hmm. that way, but I had heard right. some of your music, and so I wasn't right. completely ignorant. I knew what I was, I knew exactly. what I was up, you know, I knew what I was there for. Yeah, and then yeah. after the show to be able to sit down and have a conversation and just shoot the bull for a second. I mean, that just makes exactly. it a lot more memorable. I mean, like you said, oh, it's yeah. not seventy percent of the room is just there to get hammered. Right, exactly. They, they I mean, came to hear thing. you. Yeah, and it makes it a special. It makes it a special experience for everybody. For for me too. For people that are playing too. I mean, I would infinitely prefer those to playing uh, playing on a stage. You know, in a in a club. I mean, the living room show is so much more satisfying on every level. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's real special for putting those things together. I hope she keeps doing it forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. Because it's, <laughs> it's been a great way of finding new music. No doubt. Well, hey, brother, we can wrap up. That's good with you. Well, cool. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And uh, hopefully you'll be coming back through Columbus soon, maybe sometime next year. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's I've told her I want to. So as soon as she's willing to have me back, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, if, uh, like I said, if you want to just uh, play a song or whatever you'd like to do, and, man, if you don't mind, I'd love to continue to share some of your songs on other episodes coming up. Absolutely, man. By all means, you share whatever you want and, and do whatever you want, man. I will, uh, I'll throw a, a microphone up here and another microphone up here or something and, and, uh, record a, a, you know, I'll just do an acoustic, uh, version of something. Cool. Uh, and, and send it over to you, man. I'll send this stuff over, uh, this evening or tomorrow or something. Yeah, man. Sounds good. Rocking, buddy. Well, thanks again for doing it with me, man. It was good talking to you. Yes, sir. Have a good one, Brad. All right. You too, man. Later. Uh, news and notes. I'd hate to rob you of this one <laughs> during the uh, during this episode. Uh, my phone dropped the call like four times, so I appreciate Brad being a good sport and being patient with that. Yeah, we had a good laugh each time we uh, picked the phone back up. <laughs> um, anyway, I encourage you to uh, check out Brad Armstrong and uh, check out I Got No Place Remembers Me. While you're at it, listen to uh, Empire... Uh, the Dexatines, 13 Ghosts, get that good shuffle going. So, uh, all right, without further ado, Brad shared gospel broom with us, so uh, I'm getting out of here. Peace out.
sweep my home with a gospel broom And I ain't gonna tear the air Gonna open my mouth up to the Lord And I ain't gonna tear the air Well, I wash my floors with a gasoline And I ain't gonna tear the well, I love that shine and the way she sings, and I ain't on a terrier. If you see my face in your bedroom wall, turn that flame in your lamp down low. Well, I just come by to say that I miss you still, and I ain't on a terrier. I carry on my spine so sore they was read by some other hand well I swear that I bought some peace by you and I ain't gonna tear you here and this alcohol gut that I built so fierce well they weren't no shelter to me well, it's just that I'm afraid of that dying day And I ain't gonna tarry here If you see my face in your bedroom wall Turn that flame in your lamp down low Well, I just come by to say that I love you still And I ain't gonna tarry here no, I ain't gonna tear you. No, I ain't gonna tear you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.